Spymaster, soldier, revolutionary, terrorist? We are the SpyFi Guys, and this is Michael Collins. Welcome to the SpyFi Guys, where we cover spy facts, spy fiction, and everything in between. I'm Christian. And, and I'm Zach. <laughs> and top of the morning to you, sir. Oh, come on. Well, I, you can get away with doing an Irish accent. I I mean, I can do it. It's just maybe I probably shouldn't. <laughs> no, I'm not going to. They're pretty sensitive about that. But as you may have deduced, today we're going to the Emerald Isle of the movie Michael Collins, starring Liam Neeson, Alan so Rickman, and Julie Roberts. Why don't you explain to our listeners who Michael Collins, the Irish revolutionary, is? So the movie that we're looking at today was made in 1996, and it's about... Michael Collins of the same name, and he was a the sort of the head of the Irish Republican Army's intelligence and general mayhem division, and basically fought a spy like a fought like a Cold War insurgency against British occupiers in 1918 to 1922. Uh, well, judging from the movie, it didn't seem like a very Cold War. It seemed quite bloody, but we can get into it as we get into the movie. Yeah, I, sh I should say it was more like an insurgency. It was more like the Iraqi sol Iraqi insurgents fighting the U.S. military in Iraq. That's what it reminded me of. If you're interested in watching the movie and you haven't seen it yet, you can find it on Vudu. That's V-U-D-U. It has free movies with commercials. So if you want to pause the podcast and go watch it, we can wait. We'll be right here. <laughs> yeah, so here's a synopsis. Neil Jordan's historical biopic of Irish revolutionary Michael Collins, the man who led a guerrilla war against the UK, helped negotiate the creation of the Irish Free State, and led the National Army during the Irish Civil War. Yes. That's so, a lot. I, I know. There, well, there's a lot to cover, and there's a lot going on in this movie. I am very excited to talk with you about it and hear what you think. Yeah, so the movie starts with, like, the longest... Uh, uh, what would you call it? a block of text that I've seen in a movie. And like, I was taking notes on it and it just kept going. <laughs> and yeah. Going. There's a lot of dump. It, it's, it reminded me of star Wars and the opening text crawl there, except it was even more packed with details. Yeah, it's even longer than one of those. Those are like three paragraphs. Maybe this mm -hmm. is like five paragraphs. And it effectively tells you everything that's happening in the movie, everything that's going to happen in the movie, I should say. Yeah. Of course so, you can't spoil real life, but I mean, well, this, along with, you know, the opening scene, basically tells us that he's going to die. Mm -hmm. like, That's right. All right, am I watching this if I know he's going to die? All right, so it starts, the very beginning starts with uh, Joe O'Reilly, who's one of, basically his right-hand man at this point, telling the story of how he died to Kitty, o Kitty Kiernan. Who was played by Julia Roberts. Yeah, which I did not expect her to see her in this, and nor did I expect to see her speaking with an Irish accent. Well, as I as I said to you before you started watching, she kind of gives up on the Irish accent halfway through the movie. Yeah, she does, and then it picks up again. Like right, yeah, right in the middle is like it just disappears, and then it comes back. So if you're a Julia Roberts fan, and I remember growing up, people were really into her, and I th feel like this is not what you think of when you think of a Julia Roberts movie. So no, whatever no. it takes to get. I also think, and this is a good, this is a good time to mention as any. So this was like one of those historical epics that they loved in like the 90s. It was right up there with a bunch of Mel Gibson movies. 
Hmm. I mean, obviously the battle scenes are not as good as something like Braveheart, but like those other movies, they were like, well, we need women to go see it and women don't care about anything other than romance. So let's just put a romance in. Well, from what I've read, the, you know, that is a real romance that happened. Yeah, but it's given, in my opinion, a lot of prominence in the movie where it doesn't always fit. But we can get into that later. <laughs> All right. So, and th- so yeah, so it starts with, you know, basically after his death, tell- telling uh, Joe, telling him, telling Kitty, you know, how he died and why he died. And then it go- flashes back all the way to the- back to the Easter Uprising. That's correct. So this is the, it was a failed revolution against Britain and it's called one the Easter Uprising. One of many, but it's it's famous because it was the last one before Michael Collins's Guerrilla War. It's referenced in many songs, many stories. Mm. One of them that you may know is the Cranberry song, Zombie. Oh. There's, there's a lyric in it that goes, it's, that. yeah, there's a lyric that's, it's the same old thing since 1916. Ah, yes. Well, this is actually not my first introduction to the Easter Uprising. I was a big fan of the Young Indiana Jones Chronicles as a kid, and one of him had one of the episodes has him traveling to Ireland on the eve of the Easter Uprising. Well, I'm going to need to watch that episode then because I'm really into Irish stuff. So <laughs> the scene where this big battle is taking place where they're getting shot at and bombed with artillery, and that's mm-hmm. where we first meet Michael Collins, is at the general post office in downtown mm-hmm. Dublin, which I went to while I was there. Nice, Got a picture nice. in front of it. I'll, I'll try to remember to put it on our social media page around the time that we do this episode. And if you go and see it, there's still bullet holes left in some of the columns. From the that's, wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. But yes, so we have a bunch of, you know, after the uprising fails, you have a bunch of people getting arrested. One of whom is Eamon de Valera, played by Alan Rickman. Who's known throughout this as, by his nickname, Dev. Mm -hmm. I didn't, like, I guess I I didn't, I didn't have the captions on all the time. So I thought it was just one word, de Valera. I was like, oh, that's why it said, but looking at it, it's actually de Valera. So I was like, okay, interesting. And apparently... He was an American citizen. The leaders go to prison, but not mm-hmm. everyone involved in the uprising does. But De Valera is one of them. Right. And, and then, so, uh, also at this part, Collins has a, or Collins is played by Liam Deason as a famous quote where he says, next time we won't play by their rules. <laughs> yeah. And so as Dev's in prison, you know, he's writing messages to everyone and saying, you know, what is the message about we, we defeat the British Empire by ignoring it? So we have more reprisals that shows the leaders being killed. And mm. and De Valera says this brings more people to our side. And then we have a time jump to May 1918 mm-hmm. after Collins comes back from his exile in the UK. Yeah. And so this is where we're first sort of introduced to, uh, well, to Kitty. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I'm, I'm kind of piece together what that exactly was it was just like a just meeting them at what was it a reading yeah but actually i'm sorry we jumped ahead a little bit there's just one quick thing i wanted to mention so so he arrives and he immediately gets tailed by the royal irish constabulary which is the police but they also serve as spies for the british Uh. occupiers and there's two great things in this scene the first is i um i saw a postcard that says rush hour in ireland and it shows a bunch of sheep on a road (laughs) <laughs> and that's literally what happens here and then he has a cool line where he's like they know everything about us they know what we eat for breakfast and he says well then what are we going to do about it he says find out what that's they right. eat for breakfast 
<laughs> and so the and Michael Collins literally goes, well, yeah, so they get stuck in their little traffic jam and mm-hmm. they can't get out. So Michael Collins literally goes back to the people telling him and says, what do you guys have for breakfast? Right. And then one of them you may recognize from V for Vendetta. Oh. Oh, uh, Stephen Ray is the actor. He played Ned Broy. We'll get to know him later. And he was uh. the police officer in V for Vendetta. So hmm. not exactly okay. branching out there. Uh, so then we have that. And then there's a scene where Collins basically incites a riot without meaning to. Right. I, and you, you, this scene is on the poster. It's him like yelling at people. And uh, I like the part where he's like, who will take my place? And everyone's like, I'll take your place. That was really good. Okay, so we can go back to the scene with Kitty. And both, uh, so it's him and Collins and his best friend, Harry Boland. Mm-hmm. And looks like they're both sort of interested in Kitty. And this is like the sort of pseudo love triangle that carries through most of the film. Mm-hmm. Also um, noted in this scene is that she sings the Irish song she moved through the fair, which is very famous, very well known. Right. I knew that. And then when they they kind of peer pressure Collins into singing a song, and which he mm-hmm. sort of does, it's a song uh, "Left Old Skibreen," which has some references to British oppression. So hmm. of course that would be his choice of something to sing. Mm-hmm. Okay, so yeah. the next scene is they make the Invisible Army. And Collins explains that the way they get weapons is by robbing an arsenal by pretending to have weapons. Right, yes. Or not, or I think they had weapons, they just had no bullets. Right, but they didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, so that's a pretty good strategy, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that was how they were able to get the revolution started. So he goes to a pub and Broy is back and there's a confrontation. This is, I was like, is Christian going to like this? This is spy stuff. <laughs> Well, and well, Collins is like, you know, you're you're a G-man, and Broy tips him off that the leaders of the um, the Irish Republicans are going to be arrested. Yeah. So, and he brings that information to the counts to the what is it? No, it's not quite the counts. Is it the whatever cabinet. the government? The cab. Thank you. Yeah, thank the you. cabinet. The right. Cabinet. Mm-hmm. And they're just, and so he te- he tells them, we all got to go somewhere else, you know. This is the list of our names and addresses, and they're going to come for all of us. And Dev's like, no, we stay where we are. Mm-hmm. And also, yeah, every one of them gets either, what, rounded up. Do they kill a bunch of them? I'm trying to remember now. It's, so, so they don't kill them at this in this point. They killed yeah. the Easter Uprising people, but they just arrested the cabinet. So also in the scene with the cabinet meeting, people tell Collins that his brief is intelligence and Collins says it is intelligence, which is why we're covering it on this podcast, but also (laughs) gun running and general mayhem. General mayhem. It's a good title. (laughs) So, so of course the cabinet does get arrested. Broy proves his trustworthiness to Collins Mm -hmm. and that his, his info was correct. A little behind the scenes. The reason why they were getting arrested was allegedly under suspicion of collaborating with the Germans, but there was no evidence they were. Germans? All right. Yeah. yeah. Because this is World War One. yeah. Mm-hmm. That is ridiculous. I mean, it, obviously it was a pretension to yeah. stop the revolutionary movement before it got started. And it worked out. So Sinn Féin, Sinn, 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 Sinn Féin, I think, is the political party that was like the major driver mm. of republicanism which is creation of an irish republic usual disclaimer that 
I don't claim to know everything about this history. And if I get something wrong, I apologize. <laughs> so they used the opportunity to gain political capital and Collins did as well, because while everyone else was in prison, he was able to become the effective leader of the Irish Revolutionary Bureau, which is like the IRA and Sinn Féin itself. But yeah, so when he's, when um, Broy, when, well, basically, Broy is turned by all of Collins' speeches because he's, you know, he he's tailing Collins and, you know, is hearing all the speeches and realizes, what am I doing? This, you know, yeah, I, I'm not, I'm on the wrong side here. So it's in the beginning, it's important to, to to mention, especially for those of you who aren't up on all your different types of white people, is that in the beginning, everyone is Irish, including the, the you know, the occupiers. It, they were effectively serving as arms of the British, but they were Irish. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um, so we get another relationship scene Boland or Harry comes back from a date with Kitty and Michael Collins says I'll wrestle you for her and then they start wrestling like <laughs> in the middle of the night uh. <laughs> uh, he he Collins mentions nobody knows what I look like even though he was making a public speech earlier yeah, that's a good point I never and that was about how that. he was able to do his guerrilla war because right. everyone knew that Michael Collins was pro public enemy number one but they didn't have a good picture no of him so they couldn't what he looked him. like <laughs> So then we get more spy stuff where Broy and Collins break into the IRB and he starts looking through their files. Mm -hmm. So he nearly gets caught when a policeman comes back to check in the situation. Broy stalls him and then Collins climbs to the ceiling to avoid being detected. Mm -hmm. So I was like, Christian's got to like this. This is like Mission Impossible 1918 edition. <laughs> yeah, no, that was, I mean... I did like that. Okay, you know, breaking in. Well, breaking into that and use, using all of their old intel against them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, but of course, the, the conclusion from this is that the IRC, the Irish Republican Side Boy, the IRC knows everything about them. They could squash us in a week, mm -hmm. says Collins. So, what are you going to do about that? Well, basically, cause general mayhem. But, well, but the way they do it is they get information about administration officials and they send them basically death threats. Uh, that's right. It says, yeah. collaboration punishable by death signed to the Irish Republican Army. And by the way, something to mention is that there's actually multiple versions of the Irish Republican Army. So mm -hmm. when I was growing up in the 90s, they were the, the known, when people thought of terrorism, they thought of the Irish Republican Army. Right, that's, that's why. That's the provisional. <laughs> yeah, that's the provisional Irish Republican Army. These guys are not them. They were active 50 years earlier. Mm. Actually, more like 70 years earlier. Mm -hmm. And Collins points out that the problem with this plan is that they'd have to kill their own people. Because as I mentioned earlier, everyone was Irish. Right. And so Collins is basically saying, you know, isn't this part where you're saying that, you know, there's no shame in, you know, saying that you can't do it. And just you know, don't uh, wait. <laughs> It's, I mean, it's it's a difficult question. Mm -hmm. This is not the this is not a situation where you have the French partisans fighting uh, the Nazis. That is not that. Mm -hmm. And I guess we'll bring up the general question: the movie, the, the a question the movie broaches but never answers because it never can be answered is: was Collins's violence justified? Hmm. Yeah, that's it's a it's a tricky question. <laughs> Well, so, so something to consider is that the British Empire was going to, we know, 
we know looking back on it that the British Empire would have been gone within 50 years. But 50 years is a lifetime. Collins would have been mm-hmm. an old man by then. On the other hand, they, it, it, I mean, they, the British were not, the, they were very brutal occupiers, but they weren't the Nazis either. So yeah. b- before they break Devil Air out, the, the campaign against the collaborators, we can call them, begins. And we have a lot of scenes of a guy just walking down the street and then another random person runs up to them and shoots them dead. Yeah, that's right. And so this is why some people saw Collins as a terrorist. Mm-hmm. And it's not terrorism in the way that we know it now, because these guys were not civilians. They were cops, but cops are not soldiers. So mm-hmm. it's a gray area. Mm-hmm. It's I, I sort of see it as like the bombing of Hiroshima and Nagasaki, where it's too big of a question for us to answer. Mm-hmm. And, the, and history may never know, but it is what it is. Uh, but the, the, the reality is that the Brit, what Collins recognized was that the, the only way that this is sort of actually it's not just here, but it's counterinsurgencies in general. Insurgencies in general operate with intelligence, with spies, collaborators and informers. And if you can get the, the people to stop collaborating and informing, then the British won't know where to who to hit and they'll hit anybody. And that turns the people against them, which is exactly what happens. So yeah, so it's after this that they break Dev out of prison, um, and he so they like dress him up in like a fur a fur coat and a hat to make him look like mm-hmm. a woman that they're sneaking out. And at this point, Dev uh, decides he's going to go to the U.S. to Holland is like, wait, we just broke you up and you're leaving now. What? Who's supposed to be? You know, you're supposed to be our leader. What are you doing? Mm-hmm. And let's see. Well, so so this is a, this is sort of it's like a hawk versus dove question where Collins is like the only language he I think he literally says the only language they understand is violence, which is a a thing people say. Whereas De Valera says, well, if we can just we don't need to fight them, we can just get America to pressure them into just into giving up, basically. Another raid, another narrow escape through the roof again. I also noticed that Collins and Harry Boland sleep in the same bed. Still, <laughs> I'm like, what's up with that? They never explain it. Uh, new new cops arrive from Belfast, which you can tell because they speak slightly differently. And they say, mm. they need, you need a little bit of Belfast efficiency. And then they, they immediately get car bombed. Oof. And I was like, is that supposed to be a joke? Because they got killed very efficiently. Mm. Maybe not. Uh, <sighs> yeah. Harry Boland goes with Dev to America. And Collins makes a move on Kitty like immediately after Harry leaves. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's called the Harrison Ford School of Seduction. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. So, and around this time is also when the British decide, all right, you know, the, you guys are doing stuff. I'm, we're going to send basically a secret intelligence uh, service agent named Soames to run a new squad to combat the IRA. Yep, and he's played by Charles Dance, who, of mm-hmm. course, we know from Game of Thrones. He's the elite of the British Secret Service, and they're sent to eliminate you and your boys. Which I found interesting, because there's another uh, mo- movie called, uh, what is it? I think it's Spy Maker, The Secret Life of Ian Fleming, where mm-hmm. Charles Dance plays Ian Fleming. So me- immediately in my mind, that connected. Oh, uh, that's the head of the you know, best SIS agent. Well, played by um, Charles Dance. Interesting. <laughs> It's a little weird to see your boys and the British intelligence being the bad guys for a change. <laughs> yeah, just a little. 
I mean, it's not wrong. So uh, I, I like what I liked about this. One of the things I liked about this introduction of the the British arrival is, first of all, you got that sepia toned old footage that like blends into color. Mm-hmm. And this was filmed at the at the uh, at the the barracks, which is now known as the Collins Barracks, named ah. after Michael Collins, which I have also been there. It's in Dublin, too. So then we also get a scene of the black and tans arrival in Dublin. The black and tans are very infamous in Irish history. If you want to uh, get people mad at you, just pretend to like them. They were <laughs> they were British paramilitary, so they weren't even soldiers. And they're called the black and, black and tans because of their uniforms. Mm-hmm. And we see a scene of them driving through Dublin and people start throwing stuff at them and they respond by shooting. Right. <laughs> so this particular battle, I don't know if it's real, but it certainly seems like the kind of stuff that they would do. Yeah, so this is also the time where like they go to like a football match and start just shooting up the shooting up the entire crowd. That's right. Oof. That was like yeah. That was yeah. hmm That Which was that was a bloody no Sunday. sense to me. Oh, is that is that see like as you can t- as you might guess, I don't have that much knowledge of Irish history. So I mean I know of I know of Bloody Sunday, but I didn't know that's what that was. Well, you know what doesn't help is that there's like 15 bloody Sundays and they're not really? all in they're not all in <laughs> Ireland, but a lot of them are. This oh, was wow. one of them. But Jeez. The, the one that the song that all the songs are about, like the John yeah. Lennon song, that was in 1972 and it refers to oh. the shooting of civilian protesters by British paratroopers in Derry, Northern Ireland. I see. But this is something else. This is yeah. bloody Sunday this 1920. Is... Could they not come up with more other names? <laughs> Uh, well, if it's Sunday and it's bloody, I guess, I guess there you go. Mm. Actually, I'm going to need to make sure, well, we'll get into it for spy fact versus spy fiction, but it doesn't mm. quite go down the way the movie depicts. Uh, okay. Broy is killed as, as things kind of escalate. They, they find out that he is informing on them mm-hmm. and then he is killed and dumped. Uh, I'm sorry. Charles Dance is also killed. Yeah, so this is during that whole time, like, it's an, it's like, this reminded me of, like, the Godfather montage at the end of the first Godfather. Yeah, I could see that. It's just all these people being killed at once as something else is going on, as, yeah, basically as what Kitty and Collins are getting closer, and then everyone else is getting killed. Mm-hmm. So you have, so you have, yeah, Charles Dance being killed by, what was it, because he had an Irish maid, and mm-hmm. so he's... The Irish maid comes in and he's telling, you know, doing her usual routine. And right as as he's, you know, getting himself ready, someone opens a side door and shoots him up. Yep. So Charles Dance, like everybody else, was not killed while in the process of, you know, this was not to save a life. It was killing people in their homes. Mm -hmm. But of course, this was how the British occupiers operate too is they would get informers and then they just kick in the door and arrest them in their home mm-hmm. so we we get all this carrie comes back and him and collins argues about well it's him and de Valera and collins all arguing about whether the method is working mm-hmm. collins is saying the british are only to negotiate that's proof that my method is working rickman or rickman de Valera says but they're calling you a murderer, to which Collins responds, war is murder, sheer bloody murder. <laughs> Any thoughts? Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, it's the difference between, like, a, yeah, a formal army and then, like, guerrilla army. 
And but, I mean, yeah, yeah it's gonna it's guerrilla army may be more effective in that way, but it's also you're I don't know, yeah. <laughs> Well, it's it's also worth pointing out that this is still 1918, and it wasn't that long ago where armies would stand across the field from each other and shoot each other, mm -hmm. stupidly. <laughs> so this idea of breaking into people's houses and killing them was still new. But of mm -hmm. course, the 20th century, it would not be so new. So at this point, you know, um, yeah, at that same cabinet meeting, Dev decides, okay, we're going to be more like a, tr a traditional army, and we're going to have, you know, a attack the custom house which is the center of uh british mm -hmm. admi admin in ireland yeah and of course it fails spectacularly they would kill what six men mm -hmm. uh, or no, six of the yeah ira are killed and 70 are captured mm -hmm. <laughs> and yeah so just like colin said this is going to go terribly and it did and now you know the the IRA is, you know, down to its last few men, basically, and then, and Collins tells Dev that, you know, they can only hold out for maybe a month or more. Right. Oh, but even less, actually, more like a week. And so it's this time we get some more scenes between Kitty and Harry Ammons. Mm-hmm. More love triangle stuff. Finally, they're at a dance, and the news comes in. It's over. They call the truce. It's finished. The whole damn thing. So that, I thought that was just, like, Really anticlimactic. I was like, "Wait, really? Is that's it's not a trap. It's just, <laughs> it's just, just like that." Well, all of the shooting is over, but you're only halfway through the movie, so you're True, like, "What's going to yeah. happen?" And as it turns out, it's not over. It's actually just getting started. Mm -hmm. So the the Irish government want to send Collins to London to negotiate a treaty, not just a ceasefire. And he says, "No way. I'm no good at talk." Yeah, I'm I'm with Collins on this. Like, why of all the people to send, you're gonna send him? Well, I have a theory. So there's two theories. So mm -hmm. the the book that I read, which is called Big Fellow Long Fellow, and we'll talk about it in the spy fact versus spy fiction, theorizes that his sort of it, it, that his competitors in the government were setting him up to fail. Mm. They were like, he's gonna go, and he's gonna fail, and then we can go and we can get better terms for us. Another theory is that he's like Menachem Begin. Do, are you, do you know, are you familiar with Menachem Begin? Nope. So he was the first right winger elected in Israel, the first right wing prime minister. And he ran on a platform of the Arab countries are never going to accept us. They're never going to be friends with us. They've tried to destroy us three times. So you need someone strong and someone conservative like me in order to protect the country. Sound like anybody we know? Hmm. <laughs> But he was the first one to negotiate Israel's first peace treaty with Egypt. And the reason why was because it was like only Nixon could go to China. Because only a right winger, because if, if a peacenik goes and comes back with a peace treaty, everyone's going to be like, well, of course they agreed because they want peace. They'll sign anything. But a right winger will not. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the movie skips all of the negotiations. Yeah, that, which I was a little disappointed by because I was like, oh, I'm curious how this goes. So it just goes right into um, what the terms were. And like, so you see it printed in a newspaper mm -hmm. and you see um, Harry reading it. And then, you know, Mick's coming back on the on the boat and say, you know, saying, oh, so 
they couldn't get necessarily, you know, a, the Republic of Ireland, but they were transitioned to a free state, and they'd get to have their own government, but they'd still have to swear loyalty to the into the British Crown. Mm-hmm. Which I thought was so interesting that they're called the free state, but they have to swear loyalty to Britain. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's very like Orwellian. It's like, oh, we can say that you're free, but you're sort of are, but you sort of aren't. Mm-hmm. But but the. The swearing allegiance was the big sticking point, and De Valera is mad. He mm-hmm. is mad. Uh, so yeah, so here we get into Dev pissed off that Mick has uh, published what the terms of the treaty were in the paper without you know Dev's approval. And so here we, when we come to this, like you said, one of those theories is that in Mick saying that Dev sent them there because he knew that you know this is the best they could get. He didn't, and he didn't want. Dev didn't want to be the one to bring the home the bad news, so he sent you know Collins instead. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, so at this point we get a what looks like a meeting of whatever form of government they have, uh-huh. and you know some of the minister, some ministers. Well, I guess this is like an actual formal cabinet meeting with more people and not held in like a dungy, you know, uh, you know, bombed out building. <laughs> Right, but actually formed, you know, in a real governmenty mm-hmm. looking building. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's the it's the Irish Parliament. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so um, you have the two sides of the part. You know, those who are pro the treaty and those who are against it arguing and um, arguing whether or not we should vote for it. And so they, you know, in a what was the? Do you remember what the vote was? It was like. Seven, seven minister, uh, fifty. Here it is, fifty-four, fif- sixty-four, fifty-seven, mm-hmm. uh, supporting the uh, the treaty. Right. And then Dev and all of his supporters resign in protest, including Harry. And this is where, ooh, it gets a little tricky. <laughs> so I, I sort of felt like the movie. The movie didn't explicitly state it, but I kind of felt like the part of the reason why Harry left was because of the whole Kitty situation mm-hmm. that she recently confessed that she was in love with Collins and not him. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, I mean, I think they didn't need a flat out say it. I think there was enough in, he, in the way he was acting to you know, sort of just hint at that, which is yeah, like, is that enough? Yep. But either way it gets ugly and it, it looks like there could be a civil war coming. Yeah. The, uh, the next so scene Dev you, is out there. Oh, the next scene we have briefly is a ceremony to take down the British flag at Dublin Castle, which I have also been to, and it's now used for visits from heads of state. Collins uh, is wearing a military uniform. Yeah, that was wondering about that. Where did he get that uniform? And like, who decided on? Okay, these are going to be the Irish, you know, uniforms. Uh, well, I mean, somebody decided it, but he was put effectively put in charge of the free the Free State Army. Mm-hmm. And if you're you're a soldier, it's, it's interesting that he became a soldier without having any formal military experience. Yeah, that's true. Just his general mayhem background. <laughs> uh, so then we get opposing speeches. De Valera speaks against the treaty. If it is only with civil war that we can get Irish independence, then so be it. Uh, yes. Um, so they're. So he's doing a speech, and at and like the same time, Collins is doing a speech supporting it. Oh, mm-hmm. we actually kind of skipped over the fact that they actually voted, that the people voted on the treaty, and the, and that they won. Okay, yeah, that's also true. That's also important. Yeah. Good point. Uh, Collins is making a speech, and then the 
a bunch of people ride behind horses and throw rocks at him. And then a couple of gunmen jump out. Yeah, there's a guy with a Tommy gun firing into the air. Although I thought the Tommy gun wasn't invented until like the 30s. Although what time? What time? Yeah, so this is like still 1920s. Yeah. No, no, I, well, I mean, about that. I mean, of course, the gangsters in the 1920s used the Tommy gun. Uh, that's true, true. Yeah, you're right. So they existed. But then the 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 guy with the Tommy gun gets stopped by Kitty with a with a pistol. That was surprising. I was like, wait, whoa, she's like, what is she? I was like, when she went up to him, like, whoa, what is she doing? And then she pulled a gun out of somewhere. I was like, wow, okay, that I was not expecting that. She like didn't seem to, to be involved with the revolution at all. I mean, she liked hanging around with Collins, but... Yeah. She never struck me as like a true believer until no. that. Mm-hmm. So the treaty is carried. Devil Arrow refuses to support it. And then Collins has a confrontation with a bunch of young soldiers. And uh, where was they occupying? Well, there's a reference to the four courts, which yes. is which is in Dublin. But that's not where they were. They were just uh, in, okay. in some other building. Uh Brendan Gleeson, who, of course, shows up in every movie about Ireland, comments <laughs> that the army is split down the middle. Mm-hmm. There's a brief scene with Kitty and Collins talking about you know lovey-dovey stuff, but she almost gets shot by a sniper during that part. Right, but this is also where he proposes marriage, and she actually agrees. It's like just like that. Just yeah, like that. Well, I mean, I guess a brush with death makes you feel like uh, makes you want to settle down. Yeah. So, and as this is happening, we also we'll have a meeting between Harry and Collins, or mm-hmm. you know, where Harry well. See, this is why I said you don't really just tell them that you have them like flat out say that you know this partly is because you know Her- uh, Collins and uh, Kitty are getting closer because you could just see it in his face like he is not like when he says so is it true then I heard you got you're engaged it's like oh and you just see on his face oh this is this is mm-hmm. not just about you know the treaty it's also about Kitty and so they have this argument and basically Collins says you know. You know, I was good at, you know, be, uh, what is it? I was good at doing, you know, general mayhem. And, like, I'm afraid that if I start it up again, I won't stop. And Harry's like, well, then don't start it. And mm-hmm. I thought it was very interesting to see. All right, you know, Collins, Collins is having now having to be the exact opposite of where he started out. He is having to be, to be the government. Yeah, you noticed that, huh? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's It's very ironic. Yeah. And so you have you have scenes of well so after yeah after they have their argument as they're having their argument rather one of the young new revolutionaries comes into the room with a gun like threatening to shoot Collins and Harry's like put the gun down and he's still not putting the gun to, and Harry has to actually wrestle it out of the guy's hands and those you know mm-hmm. Collins to get out of there and then we get some more general mayhem happening and so I found it yeah like I said found it very interesting how the irony of the sides being switched and now uh call is on is on the side where they have tanks and you know uniforms and everything yeah armored car armored car is the same armored car that we saw at the uh at the football game mm-hmm. and so this was the other major question so i know i mentioned earlier that i was critical of collins's effective you know insurgency terror war whatever you want to call it mm-hmm. is this so much better though mm, yeah i don't know I know it's not. No. <laughs> it's, it's just worse in its own way. Yeah. And so interestingly enough to point out, 
I, I was reading a little back on a Wikipedia and there was going to be more civil war stuff, but oh, they yeah? toned it down and added more love stuff because <laughs> while they were filming it in 1994, a, mm -hmm. a Northern Ireland, the Northern Irish Ireland conflict reignited. Oh, the troubles. Yes. Right. So th they didn't want to like kind of pour salt on that wound by reminding yeah. people that's, of when the Irish fought each other before. That's probably a good idea. <laughs> mm hmm. But it, it does contribute to the sort of epicness of this movie that we mm -hmm. had. The big epic fight in the beginning, and then now a big epic fight towards the end. So then we also have Harry Boland's death. Yeah, so he's part of one of these, you know, um, raids that's going on uh, where they shoot up, you know, a cafe or whatnot. And mm -hmm. he's running, you know, and then he's basically, I think he's like the only one left alive, so he, he runs. And yep. the Free State Army catches up to him, and he gets shot like multiple times as he's like going through, you know, some sewers, and then going out through a warehouse, and then finally in, into the water. Yes, Th through like catacombs. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Did you visit those too? I did not visit those. Ah, shame. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so he he's shot. He's trying to cross the river, and as uh, and uh, while all this is happening, Collins. You know, hears that you know he that Harry's on the run and is trying to get to him, and when, by the time they finally ca catch up, Collins is or not Collins, Harry is strung up, dead, and of it's course, time. really dead. Yeah, Collins is pissed mm -hmm. and upset. I mean, he mm -hmm. said he says he wasn't one of them; he was one of us, mm -hmm. which of course is true. Yeah. So then we get a, a, a De Valera passes a message to Collins that he's willing to negotiate in West Cork, the last mm -hmm. holdout of the anti-treaty forces. Collins is mad to go, but he goes anyway. Yeah, and also Col this is actually where Collins is from, so it's like, mm -hmm. so he said, "They're not going to kill me, you know, in my in my own county." Right. So, th so the, he goes with a convoy of soldiers, goes mm -hmm. to a pub, sings, "Left Old Skibbereen again." That, that, that kind of comes back. Mm -hmm. um, but there's an informer there, again, very ironic. Now, Dev is the insurgent, and he is the oppressor, if that's your perspective. Yeah. Um, w the same fellow from before whose name I forget, the one with the mustache. Uh, Joe. Joe O'Reilly. Yeah, Joe O'Reilly catches the informer. The informer says Devil Era is there and wants to negotiate peace. Mm-hmm. But then, but then it's revealed that Devil Air is like hiding behind a haystack. Mm, yep. And we see him in a moment of vulnerability. Yeah. So, and there's some sort of there's an ambiguity here of oh wait did 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 Dev know what was going to happen next? Mm-hmm. Or did the uh, did the guy act on his own volition without any sort of. Uh, no, like, yeah, any sort of uh, approval from Dev. So it's a little ambiguous. Um, um, what, right. Yeah. What exactly happened? But either yeah. way, the, the next, we get a very, very dramatic death mm -hmm. of Michael Collins, where she's singing, there's more singing of She Moved Through the Fair, and it's also Julia Roberts' kitty, sorry, is trying on a wedding dress at the same time. But we get our final battle. Yeah. So um, the informant tells without, well, without any verbal instruction from Dev, goes back inside and tells him, you know, 
or tells uh, Collins and and Joe that, or you know, he'll meet meet you at this certain place, mm-hmm. and at this certain time. And so as they're going, as you know, they're driving over there, they're they're held up by something, and the informant and a bunch of his like men are off on, on a hill, and they start shooting at the convoy. Yep. The convoy stops and shoots back. Yeah, and you know, one of the soldiers manning, you know, the Gatling gun, mm-hmm. is like having trouble. So Joe, Joe takes over here. Give me that, and she, you know, she almost managed to shoot a bunch, bunch of the assassins. And then as Collins is like moving over to where Joe is, gets shot in the head. Yep, and just like that, is gone. Effectively, that's like the end of the movie. Yeah, so that it, it flashes forward to where we started with Joe telling Kitty his the story and you know saying that what what was the line uh, saying you know get up off your ass or off the and stop mourning me already something like that yeah something something that's very him and, and then, then Kitty says he would have said it better though well that's true he may, <laughs> he may not have been one for talking but he does have a lot of quotable quotes in this movie mm-hmm and then the end is footage of his actual funeral in mm. black and white and a quote from De Valera that says, I believe I, I don't, I didn't write it down. This is a paraphrase, mm-hmm. but he's like, I believe history will vindicate Michael Collins at my expense. Which I mean, and I actually read about this, that, uh, what's his name? Um, Roger Ebert mm-hmm. talked about that end quote and said that, even Dev could have hardly imagined this film biography of Collins, which plays De Valera as a weak, mannered, sniveling prima donna whose grandstanding led to decades of unnecessary bloodshed in and over Ireland. Hmm, it's hard to say. I feel yeah. like, I do feel like the movie does him dirty, but not, I don't. I, I think that's a little bit excessive. Hmm. But I didn't think he was as bad as Ebert made him sound. What did you think? Yeah. Um, I not as bad as Ebert, but I definitely think that it's a very Collins-centric view. Well, I mean, his name is in the title. Yeah. Well, I I think the nature of this Hollywood movie is they wanted to put people into neat little piles mm. or neat little boxes. Mm. So Harry Boland as the friend turned romantic rival turned enemy, mm-hmm. and then De Valera as the rival turned enemy. Uh huh. If there's anything more you want to say about the movie, we can go into spy fact versus fiction. Yeah, let's let's go into it. So, first for our spy fact versus fiction today, I read a book called The Longfellow, Big Fellow, mm-hmm. which is a joint biography of Collins and De Valera by T. Ryle Dwyer. And I'll say first of all up front that if you want to read it, you better be really into Michael Collins stuff, <laughs> which is why you read it and not me. Right. Uh, there are longer books. There's this one really long one called The Life and Death of Michael Collins. It's like 600 pages. Mm-hmm. All right. So Michael Collins' father was 75 when he was born. And his father said about him, he'll be a great man yet and will do great things for Ireland. Hmm. No pressure. So mm-hmm. after the Easter uprising, the rebels were not well regarded by the Dublin people. They were pelted mm-hmm. with rotten fruit and vegetables, just like the black and tans were later. Mm-hmm. The Dublin people blamed them for the week's destruction and the 262 civilians killed. Ooh. Right. They don't so, really talk about that. No, they, I mean, they never do. There's a, there's a quote 
that I don't remember who said it, but this movie really reminded me of it, which is that patriots often talk of dying for their country, but rarely of killing for it. Hmm. So, yeah, but I mean, in all of these wars, civilians got killed. And at first, the people of Dublin didn't like the revolutionaries, but then changed when the British overreacted with all those executions. Mm -hmm. The Irish people didn't like that either. So the British failed to capitalize on the situation. Uh, the, the conversation is based on real conversation where when the fighting was over, one of Collins' friends says to him, well, it was a good fight, Mick. Collins snapped, what do you mean a good fight? We lost, didn't we? <laughs> De Valera, for his part, blamed the people of Dublin for not helping, which reminded me of Les Mis. Mm, yes, <laughs> I can see that. <laughs> where they were like, the people will rise with us, and then they did And then they just shut the, their windows and doors. Mm -hmm. Of course, the, the the general post office was not the only place where the uprising took place. Mm -hmm. They did in many places around Dublin, but the result was still the same. Mm -hmm. So while he was in prison, Collins set the groundwork for his future intelligence work by like making friends and networking and such. Mm -hmm. The Easter Rebellion was, he, he realized that Ireland can't fight the British directly because the British are really good at fighting and they're really powerful. So you need to come up with the other way, the other mm -hmm. plan. That's what we saw, yada, yada, yada. So about the love triangle. Yeah. It is in the book a little bit. There's okay. a reference to Harry Boland being in love with Kitty Kiernan. And then mm. at the end, it's like, and then Kitty Kiernan was engaged to Michael Collins. <laughs> All right. So I guess some sort of drama happened, but they decided to leave it out of the history books. And her Wikipedia page didn't help either. Yeah. So maybe, mm. maybe you have to read in more detail if you really want to know. Or maybe it's none of our business. <laughs> so uh, the devil era escape was mostly correct. He did make keys out of wax with one stolen from a priest and it did oh, get stuck right. in the lock. Like in the movie, it got stuck, but Dev was able to knock it out with his own key, but then they just ran away. He didn't dress up as a woman. Uh. That's a little Hollywood embellishment. Yeah. Roy worked as an official typist. He wasn't like a spy or like a, like a tailor. Or, or oh, well, that's a, disappointing. Or an informant or whatever. But every time he would type a report, he added an extra carbon paper underneath it, which would he would give the Collins. See that I would have liked to see. <laughs> yeah, I know, but I know. And also the most important thing about Roy is he wasn't killed. Yeah, he lived I until 1972 <laughs> and was the president of Ireland's Olympic committee. Uh. So, a little, they also talked a lot about Dev's trip to America because that mm -hmm. wasn't in the movie because it's not about him. And basically the argument he was making was that the U.S. had just fought a war about self-determination, that the U.S. Mm -hmm. was going to stand up for small countries like Belgium who mm -hmm. were being invaded by large countries. So Dev was like, yo, we are a small country. <laughs> we're being occupied by a strong country. What about our right of self-determination? He also saw Irish Americans as being helpful for the cause because mm. sort of like Jewish people, they are a minority, but mm. they turn out to vote a lot and they are very heavily involved with political things. Mm. They also live in large urban areas. Interesting. So Deb courted both political parties to try to get help, but he encountered that Irish Americans were split on the issue. Uh. Because although Irish Americans do like Ireland, they're not as willing to get involved in like Irish politics. Mm -hmm. And they also saw themselves as American first and didn't want to go against their own government, it, you know, just for De Valera's sort of thing. So he was disappointed about that. Yeah. Uh, Collins, for his part, while he was active, would just walk around in public or on a bike without a disguise or a weapon. 
some of the de- some of the British detectives knew who he was, but he was so scary that they didn't want to arrest him because they were afraid his bodyguards would just jump out and kill him right then and there. So was he actually an imposing, like a big figure, like a tall guy? Like sorry, because I kept so they kept you know referring to him as the big fellow. You know, it's funny that you asked that because that was something the book points out is that his nickname was the big fellow and he was big, but he wasn't as big as Liam Neeson was. He was like six foot one, but he was more big because of his sort of big personality. So something else I forgot to mention about him being arrested Mm -hmm. or like about them recognizing him and not going to do anything was they were also afraid he was going to take revenge on their families later, which of course that's like the definition of terrorism. Hmm. Uh, so then Bloody Sunday. All right, let's talk about Bloody Sunday. The, oh, yeah? The, the, the football game mm-hmm. with the armored car. So there, there was a football game. There were 5,000 people there. And a convoy of troops, including auxiliaries and the black and tans, approached the park. Their orders were to surround, the, surround it, search everybody there. Uh, but as soon as they arrived, shots were being fired for some reason. Oh. They claim they were being fired on first, but it's never been proven. Mm. Classic British and Ireland move. But <laughs> regardless, they just sort of started firing at spectators from outside. Mm. So, I mean, it was definitely a massacre of innocent people. But the thing in the in the thing where it just kind of drives in, sits mm-hmm. there, and then just starts shooting people was was not correct. Uh. <laughs> Smythe, who my understanding was that was that was uh, Charles Dance, was mm-hmm. constable or was Colonel Ferguson Smythe. Hmm. He was the he was the RIC divisional commander, and he said, "This is a quote from him: Sinn Fein has had all the sport up to the present, and we are going to have sport now. We must take hmm. the offensive and beat Sinn Fein at their own tactics. If persons approaching carry their hands in their pockets or are suspicious looking, shoot them down. You may make mistakes occasionally and innocent people may be shot, but that cannot be helped. No policeman will get into trouble for shooting any man. Oof. And in response, Constable Jeremiah Mee said, by your accent, I take it you are an Englishman and in your ignorance, you forgot you are addressing Irishmen. He took off his cap and belt and tossed on the table. These two are English, so take them. So as harsh as the movie is to the British, I'm not sure it was harsh enough. Hmm. I think they kind of needed stuff like that to make it clear mm. what the stakes were. Yeah. So Smythe was later killed by the IRA. And the, but the author of the book admitted that it's not really that different from what the IRA was doing. Collins even said, mm. we may make mistakes in the beginning and shoot the wrong people. Hmm. So there you go. Hmm. Um, the black and tans rampaged at one point, killing nine civilians uh, Churchill thought that the security forces were getting out of hand, drinking and thieving and destroying indiscriminately. Mm-hmm. But he agreed that there should be reprisals, but just have them be regulated. So it's like, all right. <laughs> okay, I'm almost done. So Collins's death, like the Kennedy assassination, is unclear. Yeah. Uh. He was shot in the head, but there's also a point where he like left the protection of the armored car and moved along the road, stood in the open and kept shooting. Mm-hmm. And then that was when he was hit. Uh, it's not clear who killed him at first. Mm-hmm. And which, um, I do agree that Ebert's sort of insinuation that De Valera was behind it is not supported at all. Well, the, the, um, Ebert's not the one who sort of um, who imagined that. I think it's more of the movie is unclear about it. And you could interpret it either way. Okay. Well, yeah. 
according to the book and sort of backed up on Wikipedia too, yeah. it was it was um, Irish, you know, anti-treaty forces who right. killed him. But there's no evidence that De Valera wanted him yeah. to be killed. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's not really not cool that the movie said that he was. He was supposed to be married four months later, or Collins was supposed to be married four months after Oof. he was killed. Harry Boland's death is also wrong. Yeah, I heard about. I read about that. <laughs> yeah, um, he was shot while Irish Free State soldiers tried to arrest him at a hotel, and it's unclear exactly what happened. <laughs> but he was unarmed at the time, so he could have easily have been like a murder. Mm -hmm. But his death did make Collins motivated to pursue peace more than he mm. was. Uh, the Irish Civil War would rage on. The Irish Free State eventually became an Irish Republic in 1937, and De Valera mm -hmm. became president. Hmm. Interesting. Because the whole so war, Collins was right then. He's like, it would be a stepping stone to the Republic, and and mm -hmm. like, no, then that's the whole reason why he like resigned and all that. So Collins was right. That's yes, that that's true. History did vindicate him as De Valera predicted. Yeah. Also, the whole thing about the uh, the swearing the loyalty oath. Mm -hmm. So in 1937, Ireland was like, we're not going to sign this, we'll do this loyalty oath anymore. Do something about it. And Britain was uh -huh. like, no. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. But it's an interesting question. See, there's so much going on in this movie. There's another question. is like, when do you like compromise? Mm -hmm. Because Americans love... Churchill. They hate Chamberlain. Maybe that's not the best example of what I'm trying to say. But they love people who are like, stand up and fight and never give in and never give them anything. Compromising is for like, weak people. Alright, so, before we get into our ratings, do you want to do favorite quote? Here, here, okay, okay, here's my favorite quote. Ready? Mm -hmm. Collins, is like, Collins during the insurgency Mm -hmm. reads a reads a book or sorry geez reads a newspaper and he finds that one of the targets was riddled with bullets he says riddled riddled <laughs> bullets don't grow on trees you know you did well but lay off the riddling what do bullets not grow on trees <laughs> i guess that was before that became a cliche hmm. <laughs> how about yourself so here, my it's when the handover is happening, and this, and you have the British officer go looking at his pocket watch and says, "You're seven late, minutes late, Mister Collins." And Collins says, "You kept us waiting for seven hundred years. You can keep your seven minutes." Ayo, I also like the part where he's like, "Do I get to wear that hat?" <laughs> I did like that. Yeah, <laughs> from the same from the same point. So, all right, it is time for our ratings between mm -hmm. one to ten martinis. One being absolutely terrible 10 being unbelievably great and what did you th also sort of a our opportunity to do wrap up our thoughts about the movie so yeah. what did you think of michael collins so i'm gonna give it a four like oh it's a gosh. good movie but it's a terrible spy movie well okay and i <laughs> mean this is a spy movie podcast so i'm gonna judge it not on just on it being a movie but also on any like it shows a a few things about you know intelligence, but on the whole, for what I if I'm looking to watch a spy movie, this is never going to be on the top of my list. So maybe we had different expectations going in. Mm -hmm. That's fine. It is, of course, your opinion. I, on the other hand, will give it an eight out of ten. Ooh, all right. And, and I freely admit that I am biased <laughs> because <laughs> I am into Ireland, Irish history, Irish music, all all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. But I think besides that, it 
is one of the old school epic historical dramas that I, that I quite enjoy. It is really it is actors that we really like, and mm-hmm. unlike other movies, and I don't want to like dump on other movies that we've covered, so I won't name them. <laughs> it's not a criticism, but unlike unlike other sort of spy movies, there's a lot. As I said, there's a lot going on. There's like a message to it. There's these deep historical questions that it brings up. And so if, if you're into Irish stuff at all, I think it's like a must watch personally, even if it's not your traditional spy movie. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's it for Michael Collins. Thank you for joining us. You can find us on social media at the spy Fi guys on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And until next time I've been Christian and I've been Zach. And we are the SpyFi Guys, signing off. Thank you for listening to the SpyFi Guys. If you enjoyed our podcast, please be sure to give us a five-star rating on iTunes. The theme song from this podcast is Mistake the Getaway by Kevin MacLeod from Incompetech.com. Licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0. Films, books, and television shows reviewed by our podcast are the intellectual property of their respective copyright holders, and no infringement is intended. This is a personal podcast. Any views, statements, or opinions expressed in this podcast are personal and belong solely to the participants. They do not represent those of people, institutions, or organizations that the participants may or may not be associated with in a professional or personal capacity unless explicitly stated. Any views or opinions are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, or individual. You can find our podcast on social media at The Spy Fi Guys on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.